fellow kids, and welcome to episode 35? That sounds Don't right. I, I'm always amazed by any number you say, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the right person to ask for confirmation. Welcome to episode 612 of Hello, Fellow Kids. Remember those, like, three years where we read a book every day? <laughs> For us uh, to do that, I think we would have to cover the entirety of the Magic Treehouse That's series. the exact series that I had in my head before you started that <laughs> sentence. Well, I feel like we should probably uh, read the Leprechaun one for March. But then after we uh, catch up on all, like, 60 of those, we're like, uh, I don't know if I can... This is still, like, this is a lot per day. So we just read one issue of, like, Archie comics every day. I thought you were going to say highlights for children. <laughs> I don't know why. I heard issue, and I'm like, oh, highlights. And you're like, Archie. I'm like, I guess that makes more sense. We, we now begin our 12-part discourse on Goofus and Gallant. Now, I think Goofus and Gallant was unfair. I might have covered this on the podcast. where I something felt, about drinking water. I yeah, I felt, per, I felt personally victimized by a particular Goofus and Gallant lesson. That I got offended and upset me. <laughs> But I'm, I swear I told it on this podcast, so I don't need to retell the story. Yeah, go back and listen to, insert episode name here. We should do that at the beginning of every episode, like, give them... Oh, like a uh, scavenger hunt? Yes, scavenger hunt. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're able to find the ten references we've done, then you win a book that Josh marked up. <laughs> please, please, I only have so much space in my closet. Yeah, our stack finally hit the uh, windowsill, and I had to start a second stack right next to it, and it just felt like the end of an era. And I'm amazed that the stack has never fallen, considering there are a couple of mass market paperbacks in there that should have destroyed the integrity of the structure. But yeah, like, it's holding um, its own. What is the? Is this the first book in the new stack, or is no, it? No, it's the second book. The first book was uh, Clockwork. I, w- I did Which is also a, probably not the best foundation, but probably not. But I feel like this is like a solid like booster. Like LJ's there to be all like, "I'll help you." Okay, are we ready to go? <laughs> yeah, let's go ahead. And we should probably talk about. We, oh, don't don't we have to talk about the book? Oh wait, we're Mara and Josh, and we talk about <laughs> books. We just have it as, like, a a stinger after the end music. By the way, we were Mara and Josh. Sorry. Thanks. Call me back. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine leaving this whole episode on someone's voicemail? I did my best to leave this all on your machine. (laughs) (laughs) So I've been listening to a lot of Postal Service lately, so that just kind of jumped into my head. Um, What did you say? I said, they're pretty rad. I thought you said, they're kind of bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like that. And I was like, don't say that about Ben Gibbard, because Ben Gibbard went to my university. We didn't go at the same time, but he he was there before I was. And yeah. everyone's Googling what university he went to right now. Like, where did Ben Gibbard... Am I spelling Gibbard right? A-R-D. You're welcome. <laughs> so, the book we read is Always and Forever Lara Jean, which is finishing out our To All the Boys trilogy, which we covered. We did both of those last February? Yeah, we did. I think so. 
I think we did back-to-back episodes on that. Cause the, uh, the, yeah, one was the episode for February. And then the other one we released to coincide with the release of the Netflix um, show movie, show movie program that they mm-hmm. show on their streaming service. God. Uh, yeah, and uh, we weren't sure when it was being released. So we're like, I guess we'll just do this for February. And then you just found out yesterday. Yeah, because um, Netflix doesn't announce their like official like release dates until a month before, which I guess that's in in a way that's kind of nice because they're not like forcing the hype for too long. Um, but also it did make it a challenge to schedule this because we try to record several weeks in advance so that we, I, you know, we're not stuck. Like we have to record on this day and you have to have the whole thing edited three days later because that's a lot. But yeah, so we're finishing out the trilogy because the, uh, the last movie is coming out on Netflix on the, what did I say, the 12th? February 12th? I, yeah, yeah, a couple days after my birthday. So you show up to my birthday party with a birthday gift on my birthday? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we're the, we're also the, uh, podcast that will bring you every vine reference we possibly can which are becoming progressively more outdated because a vine is not a thing it hasn't been for a very long time <laughs> so one I did... of us is up to date on tiktoks and it's not me but i do get i do get my daily tiktok sent to me directly from mara which does help i'm not even showing you the trend ones i'm just showing you like oh that was a little kid doing something funny i'm gonna send this to josh <laughs> Okay. Uh, always and forever, Lara Jean. Uh, we are revisiting Lara Jean Covey and Peter Kavinsky for their senior year. Uh, they are now solidly together. No, no more of this surprise extra boy coming into the mix. This one is seeing them through to the end of high school and uh, seeing some some things change and some things stay the same and. I realized about 50 pages in that I think I read the majority of this series specifically on my couch after midnight. For whatever reason, I just always read it way late at night as like a kind of like a wind down, get ready for bed. Because it's like it, it's such a like kind of fluffy, cozy sort of read. Right. Yeah. Uh, kind of. Right. There are some stressful <laughs> bits, but I mean, like, it's not like there's no end of the world stakes. There's just like, did I make a good cookie? I was so stressed out at the end of the second book that I read the last chapter of this book like months in advance. I told Josh this. We were both in a store and I told him and he went, Mara, loudly in a store. So (laughs) who knows what the other people thought I did. (laughs) Oh, she killed someone. I bet she killed Peter Kavinsky. (laughs) She wanted to a couple times. Only once, only once. And I will tell you only once what. ever or only once in this specific book, only once in this specific book. Yeah. But I will point that out when that happens. Mostly I was on his side. Actually, there wasn't really anybody's side I was on. I saw where both of them were coming from, which is kind of nice. I kind of wanted to flag her down a couple of times ago. OK, you're not seeing everything that's happening right now. Right. Tread lightly. Like, he is reading so much stuff into what you're saying and doing, and you don't intend any of it. Yeah. So just take a second, take a second. Maybe, like, pause, rephrase, and then come at Kavinsky again with, like, something else. Don't say something to remember me by. And I was like, oh, no. I'm going, like, no, out loud. Largy, largy, checketh thine self before, before you thou wreck- reckoneth thine self. <laughs> Kitty just got up and left the room. 
<laughs> okay, but like Kitty is like the she's the best thing. I didn't hate her. I was I just wanted to like take her shoulders and give her a good shake every once in a while. Uh Margot had my hatred for most of this book. Okay. But she usually does. I just don't gel with her. How great would it be to go away to college and Lara Jean is your roommate? Like, she'd be a really good roommate. I'm not good at decorating, so she'd like put all this cute stuff up, and then she'd be like, well, do you want to make the room cute? And I'd be like, I don't really know how to do that. I don't have any of those skills. Um, Can I just tell you what my aesthetic is, and then you do it? And she'd be all like, yes. And then do something amazing that I didn't even realize I would like. And then I'd come I'm, in, and she'd be all like, oh, I was just in the lounge, and I baked like four batches of these cookies, and I'd be like, I will eat three of them. Three of the batches. Right, right. Well, she's also one of those people where, like, She'll see something and she'll be like, "Oh, I bet so and so would like that," and she'll she'll you know get it and and spruce it up and like give it to them or like she's always has other people on her mind. Yeah. Whereas someone like me, I'll be like a week after I saw it, I'll be like, "Hey, I saw this thing and I guess I kind of thought of you, but like not enough to do anything about it." You <laughs> and know, you're, and you're like not in a gay way though, and they're like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> That's stupid. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> uh, all right. I uh, but yeah. Um, I'm ready to hop in if you sure. are. Yeah, let's let's get going. All right, so here we go. L- Always and forever, Lara Jean by Jenny Han, Chapter One. Peter and LJ are uh, again in this book. I write LJ for everything because Lara Jean is a very long name to write down. Even though every time I put LJ in, I thought her name was Life Journal, so I'm showing. <laughs> Showing my age a little bit. What's what's worth worse if she's Live Journal or if she's L J Smith? Ooh, oh my. Okay, kind of connected to that. I was very ill last night, and I was sitting up waiting for medicine to kick in so I could sleep. And I ended up watching all two and a half hours of Jenny Nicholson's video on the Vampire Diaries. Oh, good. I just added that to my uh, watch later. <laughs> it's worth it. I at least watched half of the first season of Vampire Diaries, so I at least knew who everyone was. <laughs> but that show's bad. Okay, here's our second attempt at Chapter 1. <laughs> Peter and LJ are out at a party, and they take off at midnight so they can hang out together until her 1 o'clock curfew. She's the only kid they know with a curfew. Really? This isn't the 80s when any Gen Xer can tell you their parents just barely parented. But anyway, they go to the UVA grounds, only out-of-state dweebs like Josh and me would call it a campus, and they hang out in the rotunda where LJ drops UVA facts, much to Peter's delight. They discuss attending school together. Peter's stoked because he got in early for lacrosse, but LJ hasn't gotten any, any acceptance letters yet. She's hesitant to dream about it or talk about it in case it doesn't happen. Somehow, I think their two viewpoints will be the main conflict of this book. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That was a really intuitive guess, you know? You really read between the lines on that. Okay. Chapter 2. LJ makes Easter eggs, and she's not here with the lame-ass paws egg-drying kit with the cardboard fold-out egg-drying tray. Nope. She's got fancy decoupage shit going on with rhinestones, stickers, and feathers. The one she makes with a cameo of Marie Antoinette is for Stormy, our favorite Bellevue resident, and John Ambrose McLaren's grandmother. Pause for Mara to sigh for what might have been. <laughs> While she works, she's video chatting with Margot, who reassures LJ that she'll totally get into UVA, and LJ should make her own friends at school since Peter's friends will be, well, not the types to decoupage eggs. 
They also talk about Margot's boyfriend, Ravi, who she's bringing home in a few months or whatever. Uh, we look forward to seeing it. Uh, anything that guarantees that she doesn't end up with Josh again. Pause to dry heave. Chapter three, LJ takes her Marie Antoinette egg to Stormy, who's initially miffed that LJ hasn't been visiting. Uh, she comes around, though, when she finds out LJ hasn't brought an egg to Stormy's rival, Mrs. Ito. <laughs> She's so happy she gives LJ a pink diamond ring. Later, uh, Lara Jean tries to perfect her chocolate chip cookie recipe. She's not satisfied with the results, but Peter and Kitty enjoy the taste test. Uh, they all sit down to watch Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet and the girls swoon over Leo, though Laura Jean points out he's now their dad's age. I was all prepared to get offended, but nope, this checks out. <laughs> Um, after the movie Lara Jean explains the concept of a meet cute to Peter and she laments that they don't have one they've known each other for forever Peter says he remembers first meeting LJ but refuses to tell her because he's a pill they start talking about parents and LJ tells Peter that his mom doesn't like her he denies it but looks thoughtful when LJ lays out her receipts Peter says his mom just disapproves of getting serious really young since her own marriage fell apart, which leads them to the subject of Peter's dad, who's suddenly remembered that Peter exists. He's been reaching out, but Peter's been leaving the old man hanging. LJ wonders if she'll ever meet him someday, but Peter says his father isn't worth knowing. Oh, Peter, I relate. They're at the UVA campus and uh, grounds. She's... Oh, sorry. Grounds, uh, you plebe. I, I, sorry, I'm such a square. And uh, she's telling him facts. First, she tells him women weren't allowed into the school until 1970. And he goes, whoa, that's crazy. Okay, tell me more facts about UVA. UVA is America's only collegiate World Heritage UNESCO site in all of the United States. Never mind. Don't tell me more facts about UVA. (laughs) 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 It's like signing up for a daily fact text and then immediately regretting it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Except it's your girlfriend. He just starts yelling unsubscribe over and over. <laughs> um, this actually reminds me, this is what happens every time uh, my girlfriend and I watch a movie, is that she'll immediately hop on IMDb and start reading out the fun facts and trivia about the movie. And the first, like, three or four are really entertaining, and then I'm done and she is not. So I then have to t- tell her, okay, you can you can share with me three more random facts about this movie. So please pick good ones because people will just put like seventy bits of trivia that aren't even trivia. It's just like this movie was filmed over eight weeks. So it's like that's not trivia. That's just a production note. The lead actor um, wore shoes. Yeah, we know we can see them. <laughs> this isn't. I mean, it's a fact, but I don't. And it's trivial, but why do but, we care? The movie is called Spider-Man: Homecoming. In this movie, you see Peter Parker, who play who is Spider-Man, attend his homecoming. Were you about to say Peter Parker, who plays Spider-Man? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Tom Holland is just Peter Parker. I'm sorry. <laughs> Laura Jean, only you would look forward to hanging out in a library because they're talking about the things they want to do at college. And she's like, uh, I'm not planning on being the one to break the news to him that I'm not actually that quirky. That, in fact, lots of people like to stay home and bake cookies and scrapbook and hang out in libraries. And I really like that she acknowledged that that's not actually unique. Yeah. Because they'll be like, oh, my gosh, I'm so quirky. I like to do this thing that millions of other people my age in my demographic love to do. And it's like, that's that's not quirky. That's just... That's just having a hobby. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so quirky. I like to do things with my spare time. Is that weird? Don't you think that's weird? And, like... Peter just ducks under a table and just stays there. 
Uh, page 16, Lara Jean is talking to Margot. And Margot says, uh, when I come home for spring break, let's go over to Bellevue together. I want to introduce Ravi to Stormy. At this point, I wrote, Stormy gon' die. And that was my prediction for the book. I don't remember if I wrote any other predictions, but I had that prediction uh, on page 16. I hate you. You you made it happen. You manifested it. You're so mean. <laughs> We're not friends anymore. That's sad. <laughs> That's sad. She's dead. <laughs> okay, we gotta stop. We gotta stop. <clears throat> that was not even a vine, though. That actually did happen to you. <laughs> yeah, I think I've told the story on the podcast, so. Yeah. Yeah. That's another, uh, that's another scavenger hunt item. Go find where I tell the frozen story. And tell us uh, what episode it was, because I don't remember. Peter's, uh, Ada. example of a meat cute is, uh, Terminator. Come with me if you wanna live. And it's like, I guess. But no. <laughs> you're not wrong. But you're, you're wrong. You're just an a-hole. <laughs> you're just an a-hole. <laughs> God, he's so basic. All, I mean, all the movies he's had on the list for her to watch, where I'm just yeah. all like, you are like the epitome of basic. Peter, right. Peter Kavinsky, sir. It's mentioned that Kitty goes trick-or-treating... This was years ago, but she went trick-or-treating as Batman. And there is this really cool thread. I don't remember how much it's in the other ones of her, like, bucking gender stereotypes. And it reminds me of uh, Sky. Yeah, we discussed this, the Kitty and Sky content, because you tried to parallel this to um, Penderwicks and tried to paint Kitty as, since she's the youngest, then she gets to be the uh, the uh, baddie. And I was like, no, nah, she's more like Sky. I think you were probably always right on that. She's definitely grown more into that role. She's definitely leaned into it pretty hard. Yeah. I think with those two, like, goody two-shoes older sisters, she's like, nah, we need to... I feel so bad for Dr. Covey. He is going to have such a hard time because he's going to be like, I never had this problem with Margot or Lara Jean ever. And she's all like, look out, daddy, a new song girl's in town. I don't know. This she's really going to come through the dining room, like, on Healy's. It's just, like, finger guns at him. See, you said that she's going to come through, and I pictured her bursting through the wall on a motorcycle. <laughs> no, that's that's a few years later. Well, that's what I she mean. She gets a taste of it with the Heelys, and she's like, I can't stop. I need something a lot faster than this. Oh, yeah, Kitty Covey's going to be, like, riding around on a on a hog. And then, like, annoying people try and talk to her. And she's like, oh, what? Sorry, what did you say? And they start to speak. And then she, like, revs the motor a bunch and drowns them <laughs> out and goes, sorry, sorry, what was that? And then she just keeps doing that until they give up. <laughs> you mean, like, the people outside my window? Yeah, those people who drag race outside. They're like, oh, they're recording yeah. a podcast. We should definitely spend time doing this. This is a good time for us to drag race. So, chapter four. It's senior week at school, which means costumes. Lots of promposals are happening, too, including the serenading acapella group featured in the P.S. I Still Love You movie, now streaming on Netflix, not sponsored. Um, LJ doesn't think Peter will plan anything big since, I mean, he plagiarized Edgar Allan Poe for her Valentine's present last time. Also, hey, the dad and the neighbor are pretty seriously dating and she comes over for dinner a lot. Uh, LJ still thinks of her as Ms. Roth's child since she's from 1954, but I'll be referring to her as Trina for brevity's sake. Kitty's name for her, Tree, is stupid, and I won't be using it. Chapter 5. 
Thursday of Spirit Week is Characters Day, and oh my god, a live journal wanted to go as Alexander Hamilton and Eliza. Anyway, they go as the characters from Fight Club, and everyone gets it. Am I really the only person who's never seen this movie and doesn't want to? I highlighted that everybody noticed, and I think I wrote, yeah, I I straight up wrote, I've never seen Fight Club. Um, Okay, just me and you. Yeah, I think that's it's a bit generous for her to think that everybody was going to recognize. And every but. and everyone clapped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I really like Edward Norton, but I've never really had much interest in watching Fight Club. No, I already know what happens, so what's the point of watching it? Yeah, they fight, and there's a club. You don't talk about it. The end. <laughs> okay. Um, and I just realized I unironically just went ahead and called her life journal at the beginning of this. <laughs> God damn it. Okay, so at LJ's house, uh, Kitty teaches Peter how to braid LJ's hair since Kitty won't be at UVA to do it. Once they're away from Kitty, though, they talk about who LJ's kissed and her number's three. Peter also tries to claim his is three. But uh, she calls BS and mentions an Angelina in Myrtle Beach he bragged about who had some hoobity boobities. Peter's like, oh, my God, you remember that? And she's like, yeah, duh. Jen was furious that this Angelina character got Peter kissing before she got to. And then Peter drops a bomb that Angelina isn't real. So his first kiss was with Lara Jean. That night, Lara Jean tries to get Kitty to admit that she'll miss LJ. Kitty's not pressed about it. And makes a self-harm joke that I'm sure made Josh angry. And then Kitty tells LJ not to fish for compliments. I always hated Spirit Week at school. I was always a big not fan of that. Why are the school colors always stupid, hideous colors that don't really go together so that no one has those outfits? No one really has. You have to purposely go out and buy clothing of that color and you're just like my parents aren't gonna what am i else am i ever gonna wear red and white those are my school colors i didn't have anything red or white mine white's not flattering white gets yellow so easily why would you buy anything white mine were blue and bright yellow that's hideous it's so ugly can you imagine imagine how much better spirit week would be if like somebody just had like a school whose colors were just like black and white or something like that and everybody could just dress in like snazzy like 50s outfits or any other color combination that is like even a little bit reasonable yeah i don't i don't know they (laughs) they really need to rethink this stuff Uh, (sighs) so they're talking about how the vote for the senior trip is between new york city and disney world what the heck how much money does this school have i'm pretty sure my senior trip would have been like we're gonna take you to a different school's gymnasium and you can sleep there like, I didn't go on it, but I don't think we got anything fancy. I don't know what ours did. I mostly didn't, mostly. I never took part in these extracurricular things because they cost money, and we didn't have money. So I wasn't going on. I can't believe how many events there were. I, I mean, I cover that later in my notes, but I was just like, it's expensive to go to public school. Yeah. <laughs> the subplot of Peter learning how to braid is pretty great. I liked that. Okay. Um, chapter six. Yeah. Uh, it's time for the senior trip. Um, as Josh said, they are all going to New York City for a few days, which sounds pretty sweet. On the bus ride up, the kids play a rousing game of Truth or Dare, which ends before LJ's turn, much to her relief. She didn't want to admit that she and Peter have not been boning. 
They go to the Empire State Building where Peter recreates a scene from Sleepless in Seattle in order to ask LJ to prom. This is also a film I've never seen. It's cute, but uh, it involved him leaving a bag unattended, which gets him in trouble with a security guard. The next day is a trip to Central Park where Peter dips out to get uh, LJ a cookie from Levane, uh, like she'd been wanting. Then later they get permission to go to Jacques Torres's chocolate shop where LJ tries another cookie. I feel like she could write a very specific travel book about New York City cookies complete with cutesy rating system. And I'm actually angry that it's not in my hands right now. I mean, the last that, day it the- should at least be an Instagram account with like a long story for each post. She could do it, too. And um, I think she could just do that and just post a picture of Peter with the cookie and then she'd get like multiple like. She'd ha- she'd get a book deal. And they're like, let's put your beautiful boyfriend on the front of the book. And she's like, it's about cookies. And they're like, honey, he is a cookie. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> on the last day of the trip, Peter and LJ sit up on the hotel roof to watch the sunrise. They discuss living in New York and have very different visions of what that would look like. This might be significant. Chapter 7, LJ can't sleep and uh, she gets up to bake. Her dad joins her since he can't sleep either. He asks LJ what she thinks of Trina, and LJ says she loves her. He's relieved, but quickly says that no one will ever replace her mom. We know where this is going. Dr. Covey's going to adopt Trina. (laughs) (laughs) The guard at New York that's like, who's chastising Peter about leaving a bag, even if it's for a promposal. He's like, in New York, we're vigilant. If we see something, we say something. Do you feel me? And I'm like, you take your job probably a little too seriously. Every security guard is like this, though. She nailed that complete temperament. Lara Jean is talking about sort of the differences between families and thinking about in the context of Trina being more involved in their family and things like that, kind of noticing how things have changed. And she mentions that we aren't a leave the butter out family, we're a butter in the fridge family. And that's such a good line because there are so many little things that certain households do that others don't that. Like, we were a butter-in-the-fridge family for years, and then we became a butter-on-the-counter family uh, when I was in, like, high school. Or, like... Isn't it nice uh, to be able to use butter and it's not rock-solid? I like it to be able to spread it on something without it ripping the crap out of the bread. So, when you leave it out, you're able to do that. You know... As I speak, <laughs> as I speak, the butter is currently in the fridge right now. <laughs> All right, chapter eight. Um, UVA tweets that they've sent out their admissions... Everyone at school flips their shit and they start checking their phones. Our Lara Jean didn't get in, and I'm genuinely indignant on her behalf. Peter doesn't know what to say, so LJ just goes home and gets into bed. When she wakes up, she tells her dad about her rejection, and he and LJ and Kitty hug it out. Um, Peter sneaks into LJ's room to commiserate and says that she should have gotten in, not him. I agree, but LJ doesn't. Anyway, he's a nice comfort until he leaves, and Margot texts her condolences, which makes it all real for Live Journal. Sad. I was, I mean, I was bummed for her, but I definitely wasn't surprised as far as, like, the book telegraphing that there needs to be another hurdle for their relationship, you know? Yeah. But I also kind of felt like there wasn't a reason for her not to get in, except for the sake of the plot. Yeah, I was kind of like, why, though? I think a wait list might have made more sense. Yeah, because, like, in the previous couple books, she is, like, absolutely model high schooler. Like, I volunteered for, like, three hours or something, and she's volunteering, like, hundreds of hours and 
her grades are great and she's I didn't quite buy it, but it wasn't it was like a it doesn't matter that much because it's just for the sake of the relationship, so I didn't really worry about it, but Yeah. Chapter nine. Mm-hmm. Chris isn't going to college right away, but she plans to uh globetrot. Uh-huh, I'm so sure. Um LJ doesn't approve, <laughs> of course. What? It costs money. She doesn't have money. I don't think no, working a few shifts at Applebee's will get her around the world. I'm laughing I was because like, that's right. exactly the sort of girl she is. I know, like, I know. The one who will say I'm... those things, and whether or not she does them, it's like, yeah, probably not, but you're going to keep saying it. Okay. Uh, Chris thinks LJ should give Peter a sexy picture of her to chase off the girls at UVA now that LJ's not going to be there. LJ's like, ew, no, but thinks she'll make a scrapbook of them instead, because of course she does. Chapter 10. In the coming days, Alara Jean hears back from her other schools. She's waitlisted at UNC Chapel Hill, and she got in everywhere else. The most promising is William and Mary. She and Peter come up with the plan that I already thought of, which is to attend another school and then transfer to UVA. Easy peasy. Chapter 11. Margot and Ravi come to visit. Ravi's a cool person who's into Harry Potter. Uh, is determined to know which house he's in by the end of the visit. Unfortunately, the visit starts off terribly because Margot always expects everything to stay how she left it and is always shocked and rude when she sees that it's changed. She loudly points out Kitty's bra and embarrasses her. Oh, Margot. Last time Kitty was embarrassed, she sent out all of Largine's secret letters. What will she do to you? And Margot's downright offended that Trina has made herself so at home in the Covey house. And while she expects everything else to stay the same, everyone else needs to get with a program that she's changed. So she ends up insisting on sharing her room with Ravi, even though it makes her dad and Ravi uncomfortable. They have dinner and Ravi's vegetarian and everyone respects his diet and they're lovely. Later, uh, Ravi moves his stuff to the guest room, though it pisses Margot off. Ravi just wants to be on Dr. Covey's good side, which is adorable. Later, um, LJ, Peter, Margot, and Ravi double date to the movies, and Peter also bonds with Ravi about sports. This guy is ridiculously perfect. Oh, my God. And on his last day with the Coveys, uh, Lara Jean correctly identifies his Hogwarts house, Hufflepuff, just like her. Margot and LJ discuss her college plans, and Margot disapproves of transferring. God, of course she does. Shut up, Margot. <laughs> Uh, you're, you're so right about how Margot expects everybody to stay the same, but they have to also accept that she's changed. It's like, you don't get both of those. Yeah, you get one. Um, I also you pegged get- him as a Hufflepuff, like, before they even went over to visit. <laughs> you're like Hufflepuff, completely. That's the only person who can tolerate Margot at her type A self. Right? <laughs> but, like, actually... <laughs> She needs someone easygoing who's going to be like, all right, I mean, I don't have opinions about butter being in the fridge or out. I don't care. You go ahead and put the butter where you want it. Chapter 12. Dr. Covey announces that he wants to marry Trina. Kitty and LJ are thrilled, but Margot isn't. To her credit, she doesn't pull a Rosalind Penderwick and run out of the house sobbing, but <laughs> you get the sense that she'd like to. <laughs> the next day, the girls try to find a prom dress for LJ, but the sisters all have radically different tastes and find nothing. There's some interesting tension between Margot and Kitty, though. Hmm. Chapter 13. LJ is talking with Chris and Lucas about prom, and it comes out that LJ and Peter aren't having sex. Chris thinks they'll do it at prom because it's expected. LJ wants to do it away at college where she'll be her own person, have her own space, and not be all caught up in being someone's daughter and sister. Hard same, LJ. I never got why anyone wanted to do that in high school. You know, because, like, your parents are still at home, and it's just weird. And the yeah. only other option is, like, in a car, and it's just like, ugh. 
It just didn't. It just didn't seem appealing. Plus, everyone in high school just didn't look finished. They all just they <laughs> right. All just They're not look, done baking yet. <laughs> they all just kind of look gross. It's like, ugh, maybe like four more years. Like, yeah, yeah, it's bleh, whatever. But Dr. Covey decided. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I I did forget to mention that I am kind of bummed that we don't get to see more of Robbie. I feel like he would have been fun to to throw into the mix a bit more. Right, we need someone to help defuse this tension. Right. Um, Chapter 14. Mm -hmm. Dr. Covey decides to propose to Trina after a hike uh, near a waterfall. LJ Kitty and Peter wait nearby with a picnic lunch, and Peter films the proposal. Luckily, Trina says yes, so there's no viral rejection video to make everyone cringe. Chapter 15, LJ tries to plan the wedding and coordinate bridesmaid dresses, but she's forcing her aesthetic on everyone, and it's actually really annoying. It's not your wedding, LJ. This is another one of those kitty like gender defiance things, because she wants to wear a tuxedo with matching converse. You know, they could have coordinated something really cute. I was sitting there like, okay, well, LJ, this is what you can do. Um, Let Kitty wear the suit, have her wear the converses, dye the converses to match the dresses. And then have her tie be that color, too, so then it all kind of coordinates. All right, chapter 16. Uh, there's a mixer for new William and Mary students that LJ blows off. Her guidance counselor, Dad, and Margot are upset with her for it, but honestly, it sounded like a bullshit event. It wasn't like an orientation or something. Trina's friend, Kristen, is also a bridesmaid, and she's the one normal person in this book who doesn't like having kids get in the way of a fun bachelorette party. Uh, she also wants a bridal shower and is almost as horrified as Lara Jean that she doesn't want one. Uh, synopsis bitch note, I didn't have one, and I somehow didn't die. I did get divorced three years later, so make of that what you will. <laughs> <laughs> they all managed to agree about food, though, so that's good. Any notes? Uh, I hate Kristen's idea for a soul cycle party. Like, she was, she that had some like really... That's, that's gonna be, like, fun for, like, three people. <laughs> no one else is gonna well, care. So, like, so a, there, there are several people in this book that are f- trying to force their aesthetic on everyone else. Lara Jean has her, like, quote-unquote, quirky, semi-rustic sort of ideas and things like that. Uh, but cottage, Kristen's are just... Floor. Yeah, Kristen's are just so dumb and, like, basic, and I just can't stand them. I really actually don't like her as a I don't either. I don't like her either. I thought she sucked, and I was just yeah, like, you says, can phase this friend out, you know? She, she <laughs> says time. at one point... Uh, she says at one point, Dis- disappointment is good for kids. It prepares them for the real world where it's not all about them and their feelings. And I'm like, she voted Trump. Jesus. <laughs> These See, snowflakes. Like, that's, that's, yeah, that's one step away from calling someone a snowflake. Yeah. Chapter 17. Kitty and LJ talk about their dad and Trina maybe having a baby. Kitty hates the idea because she'll lose her identity as being the youngest. LJ tells her that her personality is not just youngest, she's also feisty and mean. <laughs> um, all this baby talk means LJ hounds Peter about what he'd do if she got pregnant, and she won't take, um, we're not having sex for an answer. He gives the good answer that he'd go along with whatever she wants to do. So LJ's like, okay, I, I say have the baby and get married, and Peter's all sure with no hesitation. LJ decides this means he's immature since grown men think things through and have doubts. She makes a good point, but it feels, I don't know, kind of unnecessarily mean to Peter. I used to ask mean leading questions when I was young, too, so I can't judge her too harshly. She does say at one point she's testing him, but for what she doesn't know. And I'm like, well, then stop. You don't have to do this. It's It's, really hard, though. I know. I know. But it's also the sort of it's the line of questioning where you're like, 
you're going to get angry at some point yes. that their answers yeah. aren't correct. So, like, why are you oh, doing yeah. this to yourself? Because it's all on you to do Don't that. Know. Don't know. Don't know. Just I did it. <laughs> this is why I'm not in a relationship with We've anyone anymore. We've all done it. <laughs> Chapter 18. Trina sells her house and moves in with the Coveys. Chris thinks it's weird for Trina to live in another woman's house, and I kind of see her point. LJ points out that the parents are getting a new bed, so that's way less weird. LJ then begs Chris to go to prom, and she refuses. That's kind of a, sounds like a funny sentence, because it sounds like she's going as, she's inviting Chris to prom. Be my date. She wants Chris to go to the prom, and Chris is like, no, it's stupid. And LJ is just like, you'll regret it. Uh, I will also say I, def- I never went to my prom, and somehow it's fine. I did not Nothing. go to my prom. This is actually explaining a lot about me and you. We're like the didn't peak in high school starter pack. Ha, huh, I never <laughs> peaked. <laughs> I peaked at birth. It's all been downhill since then. Okay. At Peter's lacrosse game, Mrs. Kavinsky makes a passive-aggressive swipe at LJ about not getting into UVA. LJ wonders if the mark was really intended that way, but Kitty and I agree that it was a rude, effed-up thing to say. When LJ leaves for snacks, she recognizes Peter's dad, and they chat for a bit, and Mr. K makes her promise not to tell Peter that he was there. Later, LJ quotes Mrs. K's words back to Peter, who doesn't think it's a big deal because, of course, he doesn't. Peter's just one of those people where it's all like, face value, except when he decides, like, no, I should look deeper, and then makes himself so miserable. It's face value unless Lara Jean is saying it, and then he's so freaked out. Yeah, then he has, like, a tin hat on, and it's like, it means she's going to dump me and then sell my organs to the internet, and then she's going to end up marrying my dad instead. And everyone's like, what? Peter, she gave you a scrapbook. Where are you getting all this? No, like, the whole time I was reading this, though, I feel like he called her Covey more in this book than he had before, and I was like, has Jenny Han been watching the movies a whole lot? Is that what's influenced her? Because, like, could have sworn he didn't call her that quite as often in the first two books this was published in 2017 i think the first movie came out in 2018 or 19 but she might have been working on like seeing the script and just being like oh yeah covey just like as a nickname that's yeah i should do that more it's just so cute to like for him to call her that because she's so so femme like almost right it's like it's, it's it's the thing you do to like the guys on your team yeah. But, like, doing it to, like, this little, like, five-foot, probably 95-pound girl. Who, like, wears her hair in braids all the time, and, like, everything is pastel. So it's like, <laughs> let's call her Covey. <laughs> it's better than large. Yeah, that guy was a moron. Um, <laughs> chapter 20. Dr. Covey and Trina have an intervention with Lara Jean to stop planning the wedding. Uh, once she's let off the hook, she goes online and she finds the perfect prom dress and she pays her enrollment deposit for William and Mary. Um, later, Peter and LJ talk about what songs should be theirs. And Peter tries the trick of whatever songs playing on the radio will be our song, which always backfires. Don't do that. And to prove my point. <laughs> what? Whatever song comes on next is going to be our song. And up next, Three Days Graces, I Hate Everything About You. <laughs> Well, see, mine would be all like, okay, here's the next one. And they're all like, 98.3. And you're like, oh, Jesus, it's the call sign. (laughs) Um, Anyway, to prove my point, a stupid song about Winnie the Pooh comes on. LJ says that the perfect song picks you, not vice versa. Also, Peter needs to get Kitty a prom corsage, too. I think Kitty needs to sit down. Why does she need a corsage? Shut up. (laughs) That's like the participation trophy of prom. (laughs) to get a pity corsage when your older sister goes. 
Oh, God. Sorry. I should clarify. It's not so much that I think that Kitty is great. It's the Kitty-Peter dynamic that's a lot of fun. Really? There was one dynamic that they had where I actually really did want to wring her neck. Is it still coming up? Yeah. I'm sure I'll recognize it. Oh, yeah. But... I think I might voice my displeasure. Maybe I was so mad I didn't write it in the notes. Okay. Chapter 21. Here we go. This is sad. John Ambrose McLaren texts LJ that Stormy died in her sleep, and I for real cried out, No! LJ's devastated, but she can't attend the funeral in Rhode Island, so she organizes a memorial service at Bellevue. John Ambrose shows up for some of it, and it's all very sad and sweet. <sighs> Peter gets jealous about John Ambrose being there, and how he might go to William & Mary, too. Then they get talking about long-distance relationships, and Peter keeps insisting that theirs were work, and y'all, I'm getting real worried. I'm so jealous that he showed up to his grandma's funeral. Yeah, and he's all like, oh, so he coordinates, he'd go to the same college as you, and she's like, no, stupid, he would have applied to it months ago, and I haven't spoken <laughs> to him in a year. What is your deal? You're so... She needs to just kick him in the shin. Oh my god. And then he just, like, peels back a curtain, and there's just a bunch of photos of John Ambrose McLaren with red string between them. It turns out, there is no John Ambrose McLaren! I go knocking on his grandma's door. Stormy! Stormy! <laughs> and oh Lord, she's just standing there like, I don't watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Newsflash! I haven't been watching it this whole time! <laughs> I just know all the memes. <laughs> Chapter 22. It's prom! Peter and his mom come to the Covey house, and they take a million pictures, and I didn't realize prom was such a production. I never went, and now I can't say I regret it. Anyway, they go, and hey, Chris is there, and Peter's a prom king. He slow dances with the queen, and her date tells LJ, when they come back, we should just ignore them and dance away, which made me wheeze laugh for almost a full minute. <laughs> um, after prom, Peter whines about wanting pancakes and takes them to their favorite diner, where, surprise, it's all their family and friends celebrating uh, LJ's 18th birthday. He and Lara Jean recreate the ending scene of 16 Candles up on the table. And, like, if anyone did that for me, I'd marry them. Just putting that out there. If anyone wants to marry me, put me up on the table. <laughs> recreate the ending of 16 Candles. That's so stupid. Uh, I do think that the party was super cute. It um, was very cute. That was very cute and very sweet of him. Yeah. He's come a long way since copying Annabelle Lee. Wait, did, didn't I mention that just a bit ago? I think I did. You mentioned Annabelle Lee. Did you say that, like, pretty much that same sentiment? I said he, I said he's big on plagiarizing. He's but just at least he's, like, he's putting more effort into his plagiarism now. Like, he's recreating a scene from a movie, but he's at least getting all their friends there. His passion is a plagiarism. He might join your century, but only on a rare occasion. Uh, that's some Dresden dolls for anyone who uh, was a teenager in the early 2000s. Bye. Um... Are you ready for chapter 23? Sure. Okay. LJ, Kitty, and Peter go to the public pool since I guess they haven't filled their quota of swimming in urine this year. LJ studies French and has Peter sing my least favorite song from The Sound of Music, and because I can't stand The Sound of Music, that's saying a lot. I know nothing about The Sound of Music. The, the, I'm pretty sure that we have talked on this podcast about The Sound of Music more than I've ever thought about The Sound of Music prior to starting this podcast. I'm sorry. The, the, it's, it's, I don't think it's a good movie. Like it has, it's um, filmed. I think it was actually filmed on location, like in Austria, and it's beautiful, like um, the scenery and stuff. But it's just so. Uh, I mean, it's like it's really cool when like the dad like takes down the Nazi flag and like rips it in half. That's awesome. Completely down with that. 
but just all the hokey songs, I just, I'm, I'm out. And it's way too long. It's like three and a half hours long. Is it really? I'm probably exaggerating by like an hour and a half, but (laughs) when you don't like like something. Is it a, is it a double cassette movie? No, it's two hours, 55 minutes. Oh, that is a long movie. Okay. I was kind of (laughs) right. But to be fair, when you're watching something you don't like, it feels twice as long. Yeah, like Lord of the Rings feels like it's like 75 minutes. I feel so bad for people who don't like it and they're stuck watching it because you're going to that's like your life now. I know people (laughs) who are still watching the movie. (laughs) And they're like, they're not even in fucking Mordor yet. They're not going to get to Mordor till like the third movie. And it's going to be like in the last like 10 minutes. Are you shitting me? I've been holding my pee for like two hours. Can't relate. I love those movies. Right? Um, um, when is prom in relation to the end of the school year? Cause like. It's before graduation. It should be like, I feel like it's in April. Cause I think graduation's usually like May. Okay. Or the last day of school is like, it, 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 I think you get out earlier than everybody. Or I don't, I don't know. It's been a long time. <laughs> I was trying to remember everything. Like, I was feeling old when she's like, in the olden days, people had to get their rejections or acceptances in the mail. And I'm like, fuck you. I got my acceptance letter in the mail. So did I. And and I'm, what, seven years younger than you? Yeah, that and then saying something about, like, being uh, how Trina was, like, young in the 90s or something. And I'm like, oof. When I realized that these parents are probably only 10 years older than me. I was like, no, it it, it was a little upsetting. So I feel yeah, like no, La- Lara Jean, Lara Jean was probably born in. So we would, well, she like probably 2000. be born in like 99 yeah, or 2000. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't like it. I feel like it's a crime and I would like to not read any more contemporary YA anymore. I think if we're going to be reading any more, <laughs> young adult teen books we should just focus on the fantasy uh persuasion because i feel like seth and kendra wouldn't do me like this <laughs> not even seth so yeah. they're they're at the pool and um peter is trying to make a harry potter reference and lara jean's quizzing him on like the exact circumstance he's he's, he's trying to use the imperious curse and she's quizzing him and she's like, a uh, very good young wizard. There's hope for you yet. Now sing. And then he, he goes and sings. And she says, I clap my hands in delight. Is there anything more intoxicating than making a boy bend to your will? And I was like, I didn't realize that Peter was a sub. I mean, I'm, I'm into it. <laughs> he is like a total himbo. So he would like be all like, this would be cool. Hey, you're in the fan fiction world. Yeah. Is Deeth, is there? Probably. Okay. I mean, I did go looking up um, on AO3 if there were any Lara Jean and Peter fix, and there are. There are uh, fan fictions of Kitty with uh, Peter's brother Owen. Of course there are. Which there is no text support for that happening. Aren't they only ever, like, they're only in, like, one or two scenes together in the entirety of the series. And they both stare at their phones and don't talk to each other. Yeah. That could just be a cover. They're secretly into each other. (laughs) They're texting each other. Yeah. Our siblings are stupid. LOL. Look at this TikTok. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where we are. Chapter 24. Okay. 24. Okay. Chapter 24. Um, the kids survive finals and Peter goes away to a, to a lacrosse training camp. LJ suddenly gets an email notice. She got into UNC Chapel Hill. 
uh, Chris is texting her at that moment, and when she hears the news, she decides they need to go to a road trip there now. And the girls have an amazing adventure, falling in love with the town and the campus, and it makes me nostalgic for how much I love my university. Both their phones die, and no one has a charger. They get home super late, and Dr. Covey is pissed, but less pissed when he hears LJ got into Chapel Hill. I loved that chapter. That was like, I was, That's a, yeah. It was like the the one time I kind of finally got the Chris and Laura Jean friendship. I was yeah. just like, okay, I see why these girls are friends. Like, it was just, yeah. Before, it's kind of painting it as, like, they're friends just because they always were friends. Right. And it's just kind of like a remnant thing. But now you can kind of see how their dynamic still works. It's like, oh, okay. Um, Chris's love language is uh, big gestures. Got it. <laughs> that, I don't even think that's a thing. Um, I think it is, actually. It's called acts of service. Not that anyone cares. I don't know what the five languages are. I know it's like... There's touch... And you're like, no, that's just the census. And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> There's touch, sight, smell, hearing. No. <laughs> and um, telekinesis. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's like touch. Um, there's like gift giving. I think I'm the gift giving one. We've said acts of service. Acts of service. So that's, that's three. Talking? Like communication or something? I, I feel like that'd be one. Well, like mine, mine isn't even that doesn't even have a category. Like I think I, I just said like oh I think I like doing get, but I think more like how I show like love for people is like I have like inside jokes with like almost everybody I I really care about. It's like that's kind of our special thing that we say this thing is like how I show that I like somebody. Right. And then that's not really in there. So I was remember I remember I was looking through the love languages going I'm not here. I don't love. I don't. I knew it. <laughs> Judas. <laughs> Give my hat back, Jordan. Want to see Uncle Cracker or no? I did the the hand thing. Yeah, I know. Me too. Cool. <laughs> this is not a visual medium. Hey, how come in all of these copies of the five love languages, after number five, somebody wrote six vines? Especially since. Oh no. Okay. Ha ha ha. Never mind, I can, I know things. I was all like, why would they write six when there's already six? I'm like, no, it's five, you idiot. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Number six of the five love languages. Vines. <laughs> Vines slash memes. Um, but yeah, that was a really fun chapter. I, uh, I got throwbacks to my, not just my university, like, the immediate area of it, but just the broader, like, district of it. Which always has, like, fun little places that you can just, like, duck in. You're like, oh, what's going on here? And it's always, like, a fun little independent restaurant or, like, music or just a quirky store. And, like, I like that all of that is kind of just, like, concentrated into one little area. That's always really fun. Yeah. Yeah, I love college towns. Um, I went up to your college town uh, when my friend was there a few years back and... um uh, they had classes, so I just went and walked around, like, the campus and the broader area and just kind of, like, appreciated all of the cool stuff that yeah y'all have up there. And I'm like, this is rad. I, I fucking love that school. I would happily, like, would I really? I, I know I wouldn't want to go back and relive high school, but I think reliving college might be fun, especially with my appreciation for it that I have it now. So I'd probably go back and I'd hang out with more people. Yeah. I probably would have tried to find something to do, but like, <laughs> I, I don't bet. know. I, well, I would always, you guys. 
Well, when I was done with, like, my work shift on campus or classes or something, I'd just be like, well, I don't immediately see something to do, so I'm just going to go back to my room. So, like, I got, I, I saw cool stuff during the day, but I never had, like, I didn't go out and experience, like, nightlife or anything like that, really. I remember sitting in a building, and it had a live feed of um, Red Square, which was, like, our um, main square that had, like, a fountain and stuff. And I was just... Hey, man, we had a Red Square. Cool. I'm just telling you in case anybody didn't know, you know, on their grounds. Anyway, just being mean for no reason to UVA. <laughs> anyway, um, so I was just sitting in the building watching the live feed, and then I just watched this dog just wander around like, where is everybody? I come out here and I get pets. So it's just kind of like sadly like walking around waiting for like a class, you know, a bell to ring. So everyone come out and pet the puppy. I think on the live feed one time, I feel like we just watched when it was icy and waited for people to, like, biff it. You guys are horrible. My my story was heartwarming. Because <laughs> eventually the bell rang and everyone came out, and that dog got so many pets. He's a good boy. And he lived in, like, a nearby house and just would come over to be like, I need my daily... Bye, Mom! I'm going to get pets! I'm going to go get my attention. Thanks. Be home for dinner. I wouldn't miss it. I love ground up disgusting crap in a can. Um, okay. Oh, wait, I do. College is way better than high school. I do have like a good college memory that I'd thought about while I was reading this. And it was, it's not like the university I went to. I went to a community college for two years and then transferred to a university. So much easier to get into colleges when you do that too. Anyway, I, I went at the community college one day and the place is completely unrecognizable today. What it was then. Like, I remember driving through there, and I'm like, I don't even know what I'm looking at. But back in this day, there was, like, most of the campus up atop of the hill, and there was, like, one building at the bottom of the hill where it had, like, a bunch of classes in there. And it was just kind of a weird setup. But uh, we're all going up the hill one day, and this guy was walking ahead of us. It was this older man, kind of pudgy. He's in a T-shirt, bicycle shorts, fanny pack, weird 90s cloth cap sunglasses and he has an enormous ghetto blaster on his shoulder and i use this term specifically not to be offensive because this is a particular kind of tape deck that was like the size of like a wall unit in a house for like a uh, like heating unit but if that heating unit was a transformer is this how big this thing is and it was called a ghetto blaster he has it on his shoulder did you know what the ghetto blaster was blasting can you even guess I don't think you can, so I will tell you. It was blasting Don't Funk With My Heart by... Oh, uh, my God. <laughs> Black Eyed Peas. And all of us, no one said anything, but everyone had looks of concern, confusion, and fear a little bit as they watched this man. As he just, like, goes up the hill in this ridiculous outfit playing, I wonder if I take you if home. If I take you home, would you, you stay <laughs> No, 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 no. Don't fuck with that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, that was like 2004, I think. God, that was a long time ago. I was in elementary school. Well, as I just said, I was in college. Um, yeah. But like, not for very long. It was like my first year. Okay. Chapter 25? Chapter 25. Um, Laura Jean shares her news with Margot, who's thrilled for her. And then she tells Peter, who's not so thrilled especially after training camp where he encounters other players who are also the best at their schools. So he's not the special one anymore. He got kind of used to being like the small fish in a 
or the big fish in a small pond. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of like a kind of a shock. Yeah, what do I do when the pond is the right size for me? Yeah, so he's kind of getting hit from all sides here. Um, initially, they'd been about to go to a party, and Peter changed his mind. He wanted to stay in with uh, LJ, but he changed his mind right back, and he decides to party, uh, framing it as not wanting to waste LJ's hairdo and outfit. Oh, Peter, honey. Because he's just, like, sagging on the couch, like, oh, I don't want to go anywhere. I just want to hang out with you. And then she tells him this stuff, and he goes, you know what? Let's just go to the party. And I'm like, oh, Peter. <laughs> Chapter 26. The party doesn't go well. Peter gets his depressed ass really drunk, and LJ makes him sleep over at the host's house, and she gets a ride home with Lucas. Uh, Peter sends apologetic texts until LJ invites him over. Um, she's had an epiphany for the perfect chocolate chip cookie, which involves parchment paper. Peter and Kitty are satisfied with the results, though they don't understand LJ's mission. <laughs> They're like, whatever, they're still edible. And she's all like, no, it has to be crispy on the edges, soft on the ends. And I'm just like, oh, God. The way, what she described, I was like, I don't even like that kind of chocolate chip cookie. Right? I want chewy that, everywhere. There's too much going on there. Yeah, I'm like, you're overthinking it. I think she I would- like a chewy cookie. I also like a crispy cookie. I don't need all of those at once. I think she would breathe heavily into a paper bag if I told her that my ideal chocolate chip cookie is, is a Chewy Chips Ahoy. That's I think that's the perfect chocolate chip cookie. I am completely satisfied with that cookie. I have, like, one option of chocolate chip cookie left. I know, yeah, you have that gluten intolerance. Yeah, yeah. but uh, it's a real good cookie. Like, I would eat it <laughs> even if I wasn't gluten-free. It's really good. <laughs> I'd eat this even if I wasn't doomed. <laughs> <laughs> It's really good. And we're like, okay, P- okay, I almost called you Peter. Okay, Josh, you go ahead and enjoy it. And you're like, I am. Well, you quietly weep. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter 27. Caps and gowns arrive, and LJ asks Peter if he's given any thought to inviting his dad to graduation. Peter gets a little touchy, so LJ doesn't push. They talk about Trina's bachelorette party, and after Peter ascertains that there won't be strippers, he asks what Dr. Covey has planned. LJ's like, I don't know. He doesn't really have friends. And ouch, yeah, that's adulthood right there. <laughs> Peter offers to throw her dad a bachelor party at a steakhouse and gets a few names of men Dr. Covey is at least friendly with that he can invite. Just Peter's so great. He's so great that he agrees to let Kitty come to the party since she's banned from the bachelorette party. Ugh, Kitty, not everything's about you, you obnoxious brat. That's the part that made me mad when she got in the car and she was like manipulating Peter all like, yeah, I'm not allowed to go to the bachelorette party. And he's like, that's crap. Why not? I'm like, Peter, it's at a bar. I don't even think Lara Jean and Margot should be allowed to be there because they're neither of them 21. Yeah. Yeah, it's all, it's all kind of a little bit sketchy. And getting yeah. Kitty there would be really pushing it. So, And then I don't really think it's fair. Okay. It's true that I don't like children. But I think in this particular instance of like having a bachelor party and stuff, um, there's like an adult space and there's like a child-friendly space and dr covey should be allowed to have like an adult space for this event so he can just hang out with his buddies and not worry about like anything he says or whatever because it would be different if kitty wasn't the kind of kid who fucking repeated everything but she is so she can't be cool (laughs) so i wouldn't want her around (laughs) i'd be like no motor mouth you're gonna run off and tell everybody so um i just this is where i really really hated her like, it's just a split second of, like, I really hate this kid. You might I, feel differently, but... 
I get she feels left out, but there's so much other things to do, you know? Right. Well, I guess I I guess my only thing is that like I don't have to I don't have to like what she's doing or agree with what she's doing to find it really amusing. Still, I I can't. This is this is like my self harm joke. I, I was just like it's not funny. I don't like it. Don't worm yourself into space where you're you know you're gonna make people uncomfortable, Kitty. Bye. Yeah. I don't know. I, I it's like a I don't know. It just bothered me more than I was expecting it to. Okay. Yeah. Everyone's different. They. Well. That's very deep. <laughs> <laughs> she said dismissively. Are they in a fight? <laughs> I don't I don't think we are. Okay. Oh, I, I wanted to point out that like he, he was just like, I don't know, I just I think he likes Josh more than me and then um Laura Jean singing, Well of course he does <laughs> <laughs> Oh honey, you're right. Yeah, I mean but it doesn't mean he he hates you, it's just he's known Josh like most of Josh's life. They have more stuff in common. Peter's a yeah. cool guy and her dad's bewildered by cool. <laughs> it was just this funny moment where it's like, you're not even trying to bullshit him. So I like that where he kind of says it in a way where he's hoping she'll say like, no, 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 <laughs> she doesn't. Oh, I don't know. They're great. They're good kids. I like I like the pair of them, even when they're being annoying. Chapter 28. They hand out yearbooks in school, and LJ is determined to get the signatures of all the senior class. She wants Peter to write something romantic and thoughtful right there on the spot, and he freezes. Uh, he suggests that he takes her yearbook home with him to work on it, and she agrees. Though he proceeds to forget it at home the next day. Girl, he's got nothing. Get your yearbook back and give him the summer to think of something to write so you can get your signatures. Um, they're all planning for Beach Week, which is when all these wretched high school students rent beach houses with 10 of their friends for a weekend. Like, how many fucking events do these people need to have? I was thrilled to leave high school and miss me with this Beach Week shit. I mean, right? It feels like a lot. Uh, Yeah, it is. Also, I just remembered, I'm pretty sure our senior trip was, like, right after graduation. So, like, they get a senior trip a couple months into their senior year. Then there's, like, all of their other stuff. And then there's prom. And then there's this other beach trip. Uh, Plus, they have, like, senior skip day or whatever, I'm sure. So it's like... There's just so much. Yeah. There's so much. She mentions that everybody knows that the place of honor to sign a yearbook is the back cover, and I've never heard of that. Am I weird? Uh, not so much the back cover, but, like, the inside front co- Like, those inside parts of the cover are kind of are the coveted spaces for where you, like, have your best friends write stuff. Because it's kind of the nicer part. Like, the um, you have, like, a harder space to write on, so it's not all, like... Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think the paper is just kind of nicer there. Yeah, I, I don't know about specifically the back cover. Maybe it's just something weird about their school that it's printed with gold or something. But well, yeah. so yeah, so like uh, I was picturing, I was straight up picturing like not even the inside of the back cover. I was picturing the back cover, back cover. Oh no, I think it, I think it's the inside back cover. I don't think it makes okay. sense to sign the outside of the yearbook. I didn't either, and so I was like. I was extra confused because not only had I not heard of a specific place of honor, but I didn't realize that it would be on the outside of the book. Sometimes they had like a particularly pretty like signature page. I remember there was one signature page that was like a close up of like a um, a rose from like the um, gardens or something. And then mm-hmm. y- you saved that for someone special to to sign it. And my favorite teacher signed that page i think like i got him to sign that page and then he furnished alcohol to minors when we were in high school and it was weird and he was encouraged to resign so yeah yeah well don't do that you know people are different (laughs) 
I I had progressively fewer signatures in my yearbooks, like over the course of high school. Uh, my senior yearbook does not have any signatures in it. I was so done with everybody and everything. All of mine always said, "I wish I'd known you better." And I'm just like, y- you saw one person write that, and then you wrote that. I, a whole page of like people, because like I don't know, I I, I would they weren't someone I would have asked to sign my yearbook anyway. They were just there were these very there were particular people with yearbooks who were very pushy and would just shove their yearbook at you and then like be grabbing yeah. your yearbook out of your hand and you're like, I barely know you, I don't know what to write, and I'm just like, hey, have a good summer, Mara, and then I get mine back yeah. and it says all like, I don't really know you that well. I wish I'd known you better. I'm like maybe you should have talked to me. Yeah, I got, I got pretty, I got really selective really quickly with my yearbook, like, or, and like, not even just people signing it, like, I didn't want people to sign it that didn't have something to say. I, you know, I would rather have like 10 signatures of people I care about, but I also, I think I just didn't sign some people's yearbooks, like, if they would ask me to. I don't know if I said, like, no, I'm not going to, but I think sometimes I would, like, hold it for a bit and then pass it along to someone else and just not sign it, because if it was Josh, somebody I didn't so know, mean. I was like, if I didn't have anything to say to them, like I didn't even them really know who they summer. were. I remember one year what I did was I just um I would just listen in on conversations uh like as people were signing and I would just write a random quote from whatever people were saying at that moment. With no context. I didn't like sign my name or anything. I would just like PS I'm stalking you. a sentence that I heard. That's terrible. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't sign my yearbook, you creep. <sighs> Good times. Great oldie. <laughs> I made a joke in here that he was going to take the yearbook home and just write the entirety of Annabelle Lee, like, all of the stanzas. Like, just finish what he started. (laughs) It was many and many a year ago. Okay, chapter 29. On the last day of school, Peter still doesn't have her yearbook. Girl. LJ passes out cookies and says goodbye to all of her teachers. Nerd. After school, they go to Peter's to make out in his room, and LJ finds her yearbook on his desk blank where he should have left his message she confronts him but isn't as mad when he shows real distress over being unable to write anything jesus christ peter i'll fucking do it for you laura jean i don't know what to write i'm so bad at being romantic but you deserve all the best words so i'm gonna try i love you and you were a big part of making our senior year so special i'm glad kitty sent me that note you wrote for me it must have been really embarrassing but ultimately worth it have i mentioned that i love you because i do with all my heart love always peter see was that so hard Anyway, <laughs> anyway, I'll try to cut him some slack, too, because Peter's down. Uh, he and his little brother went to their dad's house for dinner, and seeing his dad with his new family really hurt and made him feel rejected and left out. I feel you, buddy. You can plagiarize the yearbook message for LJ if it'll make you feel better. I know you're okay with plagiarism, Mr. Poe. <laughs> I just flat out like wrote a whole freaking message for I was just like, wow, this is really happening. Okay. You have, you have technically written, you've technically written fan fiction. I have. I think it's a good note. I think what ultimately he ended up writing is way better than what I wrote. But like, I I said that thing, right. like I said last time, like, okay, you don't know what to write. Use that. Go with that. Take that energy and see where it goes. And like, practice on notebook paper first before you wreck her book <laughs> with all these crops. Here's what you do. Here's what you do. <laughs> Instead of writing anything in the yearbook, learn how to make clockwork. Build her a clockwork child. He could have written the <laughs> written the uh, lyrics to. Um, Don't funk with my heart. No, 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 no. No, it's a different. <laughs> it's a different song from the early two thousands by Natasha okay. Bedingfield called "These Words." It's all about not I knowing how, one. not knowing what to write for somebody, okay. but you love them, so you want them to know. Okay. Yeah, it's it's. Well, I'm not gonna write you a love song. Cause you asked for it. 
because you need one? <laughs> and she's just like, he got really mad and acted like Sarah Barretts. That's another one where I didn't know how to say her name, so we just called her Sarah Barretts. <laughs> or I think it's Sarah Borellis. I don't know. I'm trying to be better and not be so dismissive of like not knowing how to say people's names because it's, it's, an, it's annoying. Chapter 30. Margot comes back for the summer, and boy, does she not adjust well to Trina living with the Coveys now. When she sees how cluttered the house looks with two households worth of junk, Margot makes a big show of sorting through her shoes in order to assert dominance. She's, like, making a big show, like, you see how easy this is? You can throw things away. And it's like, Margot, stop it. When the girls discuss what Trina and their dad want for their wedding, Peter suggests a Sky Lantern ceremony, which is Thai, and uh, Margot gets all snippy about Trina appropriating Asian culture, and boy is it unfair, which LJ points out. She says that Trina wants to acknowledge their mother in some way, which Margot wholeheartedly disapproves of. I think normally that wouldn't necessarily be appropriate, but I'm seeing it as maybe Trina wants to do this because now she's going to be a mom the kitty. So maybe lighting a candle and promising the departed Mrs. First Mrs. Covey that Trina promises to love the family like her own is actually a really kind gesture. Um, anyway, the bad feelings culminate in a fight over hair. Trina asks Margot to um, not leave her hair in the shower, and it's a reasonable enough request that I'd have difficulty keeping myself as my hair is long and gross and gets everywhere. I'm sorry, Trina. Uh, but Margot agrees and then goes and makes a beeline to LJ to grouse about it. Boy, Trina's got some nerve being grossed out by hair when the whole house is covered in her stupid dog's fur and comes over to tell Margot she vacuums once a week, which is a standard amount. Margot, who should be humbled right now, actually has the fucking nerve to tell this woman that two times a week would be more appropriate. Trina is my hero, who then says my favorite line in this whole series, then tell that to your dad since I haven't seen him pick up a vacuum once in the whole time I've known him. 911, I just witnessed a double homicide. Holy shit. <laughs> I'm sorry, Trina. Like, I was kind of like, eh, about Trina this whole time. But when she did that, I was like, I'm on, I'm on board. I love Trina now. That was amazing. I think it's because I hate Margot. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. I mean, when someone catches you talking crap about them, aren't you supposed to, like, walk it back a little? Margot doesn't walk it back. She's just like, no, I'll double down. And like, no, no, don't double down. Don't double down. I do think that the idea of, like, kind of incorporating some element of their mom into the wedding, I think is a good idea. Because, like, in the case of, like, like divorce and death are very different. Yes. You're probably not going to necessarily honor the divorced wife, but the dead one that was beloved and will always, should always have a place in that family because it's not her fault that she's not there anymore. And there's children. Um, and there's yeah. children, you know? Yeah. So I felt like that would be, like, it wouldn't always, that's why I said it wouldn't always be appropriate. Like, if they divorced or there, if there weren't kids, he'd be all like, why do we need to, we don't need to do that. That's really weird that you want to do that. But, um... In this case, I think it's very sweet. And like Margot, I mean, Trina could be all like, okay, we're going to all have sticks up our butts and just like be judgy about everything. And Margot would be like, no. And we're all like, but that's your favorite thing, Margot. You know, it's just it's coming from <laughs> Trina, so it's not good. <laughs> that's your favorite activity. <laughs> you love being judgy over the stupid. I'm judgy too, but I feel like Margot isn't judgy about things that matter. Like, I'm judgy about people's actions. Like, when they do or say a crappy thing, I was like, they suck because they did that crappy thing. Where she's all like, they suck because they didn't use the right fork with their salad. And you're like, Margot, 
It was a fork, at least. But don't you understand that that speaks to the greater problem? Like, if they use the wrong fork with their salad, what's next? Are they going to leave their snow tires on all year round? They don't, just don't pay attention to the details. What's going to happen if they need to dole out two pills and they accidentally dole out four pills and then all of a sudden they killed somebody? Don't you get and it? They'll be leaving their Christmas lights on their house until mid-January. Margo, some people leave them on until March. And then she's like got her head between her knees breathing like... <gasps> <laughs> I just can see her being the head of an HOA, like in the future. Ugh. Like we don't, we don't do no. I see in your house that you put up curtains. This isn't a curtains kind of neighborhood. We have Venetian blinds. You know, Venetian blind. I know what those are, ma'am. You can quit. You know, from Venice. That's, that's in Italy. And that's in Europe. <laughs> and that's on Earth. And that's in the Milky Way galaxy. <laughs> but but you you did you did like her saying that right, Trina? You know, like yes, I did. Dad? Yeah. Even though it turns yes. even though it turns out Kitty's the one who ended up vacuuming. <laughs> yes. Which I kind of love. Okay, chapter thirty-one. It's graduation and everyone's excited. LJ gets lots of nice presents, and her dad's gift is the super coolest. He's shipping the girls and their grandmother to Korea for all of July. That's really awesome, but oh no, that's a long time without Peter. Speaking of Peter, he's not okay right now because he took a chance and invited his dad to graduation only for the fucker not to show up. Oh, Peter, I sent graduation announcements to my dad's side of the family and didn't get any phone calls or letters of acknowledgement from any of them, never mind from my father. I'd been expecting that, and it still stung, so boy, is Peter having a rough time in this book. Um, LJ knows Peter's not okay, so she texts him to come over anytime. Mr. Kavinsky only Never. wants to be in Peter's life when it's convenient for him and not for Peter. Right. Yay. I don't ever want to be surprised with a trip. That's too much <laughs> That's too much going on for a surprise. <laughs> You're like, I need some time to mentally adjust to the idea that I will be leaving the... Especially since she's going to college so soon. I don't know. But like, yeah, it's something like, they've been talking about doing for years, though. And she gets a whole month with her sister, who she likes for some unfathomable reason. So it's just going to be like a nice bonding moment with all three girls before both the girls go back to their college lives and adult lives. And then, you know, Kitty gets to be like alone in the house now. So I can kind of see. Yeah, it. no, no, I, I, I get the but, idea of gifting a trip. I'm, I just I'm would have mentioned you. it earlier. I'm with you. I don't want to be surprised with a trip either. <laughs> Like if it maybe maybe if he said that at Christmas, he's like, I'm going to tell you your graduation gift early so you have a chance to start planning it. Um, well, sounds like everything's already planned like, for them. She gets that baking class and all of that. See, that would stress me out, too. Well, of course it would. You don't want to learn how to bake. <laughs> Just in general, I tend to not like surprises. And I've recently figured out that I think part of the reason I don't like surprises is because I feel like when someone surprises you, Obviously, they expect you to like it, but they kind of have a script in their head of how it's going to go once you've received the surprise. They kind of expect it to go a certain way. And I feel like I have to play into that. It happens every year for presents. My mom will always say, 
open your presents in whatever order, but make sure you open this one last. And I always know that that one's going to be something surprising that I feel like she has it in her head of how it's going to go. And I have to be like, all right, I got to make sure that I'm in the right headspace for it. Like, I know I'm going to like it. She always has good ones, but it's like, it, it's still that obligation of like knowing that I kind of have to fill that role that stresses me out. I don't like surprises. Okay. I'll never surprise you. Thank you. I got to make a um, phone call and make sure they don't show up at your house now. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys pull it back a bit yeah turns out he does not want a barbershop quartet singing um i was thinking barbershop quartet the barbershop quartet singing a medley of uh, fallout boy songs so none of that then hey why did grandma just point to one of the moles on her granddaughter's face and be like we can get that taken care of like stop it because she's toxic <laughs> have you heard that we, video of like they play the beginning of that dun, 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 and then like there's this dog that goes <laughs> it whines and sounds just <laughs> like no. it sounds just like toxic <laughs> it's kind of my favorite video okay yeah i didn't like that moment either but then and then kitty was like oh maybe i should get a nose job and then grandma like redeemed herself by going you have a lucky nose and then LJ being like, she never told me my nose was lucky. I'm like, it's not about you right now. Weirdly enough, this time it actually is about Kitty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The one time Kitty makes it about her it is about her. Good job. All right. All right. Chapter 32. Peter comes over and LJ apologizes for pushing him so much about inviting his dad to graduation and that she feels responsible for, you know, the hurt he's feeling right now. Peter brushes it all off as if it's no big deal, though. Oh, my God, Peter, just cry. You'll feel better. (laughs) Yeah, just one big just sobbing like he's such a piece of shit. And then like you're halfway to better just from doing that. Okay. LJ presents Peter with her scrapbook of them and he likes it until LJ says that it's something to remember them by. And then he stops looking through it and he takes off to pack for beach week. Oh, man. He feels like she's going to dump him, doesn't he? Margo and LJ talk about Beach Week and how LJ wants to have sex with Peter there. She makes a big deal of packing the safe sex kit her dad made for her and some pretty underwear. Just a fun fact for everybody. If you pack the pretty underwear, when the stuff goes down, I'm going to guarantee you're not going to be wearing the pretty underwear. Like, you're going to be wearing something else like, shit, now? It's happening now? So, I don't know, just wear nice underwear all the time, I guess. That's so expensive. It is. It is, Joshua, and it's not fair. Okay, chapter 33. Peter picks LJ up for Beach Week, and Kitty runs out to tell Peter all about their Korea trip. Great! Peter's upset now that he's going to miss LJ for a whole month before they go to separate colleges. This sets the tone for the rest of the trip, where Peter is distant and acts like he's only focused on the cross-training. Things aren't helped when John Ambrose McLaren turns up at a house party at Peter's rented house and has the temerity to eat one of Peter's carrots. (laughs) He's just watching. The carrot thing. I love the carrot thing. Yeah. You see him eat my carrot? And, like, LJ's probably standing there like, how would he have known that was your carrot? (laughs) Anyway, Peter behaves like a jerk, and LJ calls him out on it. He's just so cringe when he's talking to John. I know, and he just keeps, like, if he was a girl, it would feel like nagging. Like, he just keeps, like, saying, like, shitty things that he still has the fallback of, no, I was joking, but it's just, there's this aggression, and, like, John Ambrose is picking up on it. Like, okay. Uh, Even though I have a girlfriend. (laughs) Peter, just blow him already. Like, just get it out of your system. Like, we won't judge you, but we will a little bit. Do that. 
have a cry about your dad, you'll feel like a complete human again. Yes. And then blow that LJ. She needs it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm going to move on. Chapter 34. Stay. Laura Jean wants to make nice, so she buys ingredients for Peter's favorite breakfast, French toast, and a bag of carrots. She goes over to their the boy's house, and she makes enough for everybody, but Peter refuses his portion. Here's where Peter lost me. What a petty asshole. I told yeah. you that there was a one point where I was like, okay, fuck you, and that this was it. Um, yeah, well, yeah. Laura Jean says, she's like, I, things are so weird, and now we're fighting, we hardly ever fight, and like, they're not even really fighting. Like, I feel like fighting is more direct and aggressive. They're just kind of like it. They're just kind of having like a little tiff. And then he's the one who's just like, no, let me be super petty about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He does walk Lara Jean back to her house after a party and uh, up in her room when LJ tries to initiate sex. Uh, he tries to go along with it, but clearly gets overwhelmed. Uh, he's trying to understand um, why this, why now? And LJ's bewildered by this line of questioning, because you're my first love. Why wouldn't it be you? What the fuck? Uh, Peter accuses her of being eager for the rest of her life to start and doesn't seem an appropriate level of upset about them parting. And LJ's like, well, what's wrong with giving you things a shot? She wants to give UNC a chance to give herself a chance. And this is too much for Peter, who retreats. Where I'm kind of like on both of their sides there, because I see where they're again, like no one's a clear hero or villain. Really, except for the French toast moment where it's all like, you're you're a dickhead. But um, yeah, here I just see where they're both coming from. They both have a lot of anxieties come like from different things that aren't all based in their relationship, but they're both bringing them to. Yeah, yeah. The outside forces are very strong in this book. Yeah, I do. I do like that she runs to like change into like the special undies and then she doesn't know what to do after that point. (laughs) Yeah. Like she's like, am I sp- like, do I then put my clothes on, but then just take them off? <laughs> what do I? Uh... <laughs> and he's just like, oh, okay, I guess I gotta catch up. <laughs> it's so awkward. I'm so glad I didn't have sex in high school. Not yeah. that it was magically like more not awkward later, because it's still something you haven't done before. But I mean, right? To be at that self conscious like- age. Plus, just as soon as your brain starts working again, all of a sudden it's way worse. Like, every element of any sort of intimacy is suddenly way worse as soon as you start thinking. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know how people turn that off. Well, if they know how, they can email us at hfkpodcast. uh, (laughs) The subject subject line, sex tips. Please don't do that. (laughs) Okay, Josh doesn't... Can we move on? Josh doesn't want emails. (laughs) Wait, are those my only two options? No emails or sex tips? <laughs> Bangers can't be okay, choosers, Okay, gosh. put the subject line sex tips, but then just put, like, a funny video in of, like, your favorite TikTok. Yeah. So or, give Josh a moment of, oh, no, and then go, like, oh, okay, because they found the video of the dog whining like toxic. <laughs> or recommend us a book, like that one person who wrote to us and we didn't notice for a few months because the only emails that I ever get over there are uh, telling us that we still have no viewers, and so I... Did not look at it as often as I should have. Sorry, thanks for the email. We made a note about the book, and I think we're going to read it sometime during the spring. I think that was the plan. Yeah. Do that more. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. It's good we don't have viewers, because this is not a visual medium, and I'd be terrified if it turned out everyone's watching me in my jammies right now, <laughs> hunched over a, a Lisa Franklin yeah. <laughs> book. Okay, chapter 35. LJ gets a ride home with her friends, and we get the, what, seven millionth apology text from Peter this book? 
He wants to meet up with LJ later, which she agrees to. Um, Mrs. Kavinsky calls LJ over to the house and tells her that Peter came back from Beach Week talking about transferring to UNC his sophomore year. Apparently, when you transfer, you can't play sports for a year, so he'd lose his athletic scholarship. So can LJ be a peach and break up with Peter so she can't destroy his life before it starts? Thanks, hon. It's a massive overreach, and in all these books we've read, this is the one character I'd like to slap the shit out of. LJ leaves feeling sick and ashamed with no idea what she's going to do. She ducks out of hanging out with Peter by telling him she's having dinner with her family. Speaking of which, that's not going great. They're trying to pick a place to eat, and Margot suggests Korean food. She's told that Trina doesn't like Korean food, and Margot is incredulous. She's told not to judge, and it hurts her feelings. Okay, I need to tread lightly here, because our co-host Josh is kind of a Trina in that he only likes and eats a certain amount of things, and I'm not judging anyone harshly because people have a right to eat and not eat what they want and i'm not here to police that however i can understand how others would feel about you know that kind of choosiness and sometimes another's choosiness can affect others since they can't eat where they actually want to eat in order to accommodate the choosy person in this specific case Margot sees trina's choosiness as a rejection of korean culture never mind that Margot accused her of cultural appropriation a few chapters ago <laughs> um, this causes a tiff between Margot and Kitty, and we've been heading here for a while. LJ is a good mediator middle child and makes Kitty go apologize. Um, Margot raised Kitty and feels usurped by Trina's presence, and Kitty comes to understand that. Yeah, Peter's mom is the worst thing I've ever read. Yes! Uh, well, I mean, there's the whole stuff at the, the end. She's like, please don't mention anything to him. Peter would be very upset with me, as he should be! So that should give you a hint that what you're doing is wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and th the food thing, yeah, I'm super picky, but I started telling people a long, long time ago, I'm like, just pick where you want to eat. If I don't like anything there, legit, don't worry about me. It doesn't help that everybody's always like, but I'm still going to worry about you. But, like, I, I try to tell people I will be fine. I know it's my problem and not yours. Yeah. I get the culture thing, but also, like, boy, does she sure have, like, rigid standards for what counts and what doesn't. It's just whatever it, Trina is doing is yes. the wrong thing, and then she has to figure out the logic as to why it's the wrong thing. Yeah, she has to, like, okay, let's uh, reverse engineer why I'm offended now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Step one, be offended. Step two, figure out reasoning. Step three, profit. Um, chapter 36, it's the bachelorette party. They're going to a karaoke club, and there's a 90s theme, so everyone's dressed up, and it just sounds hideous. <laughs> okay, they're all supposed to dress up 90s, right? And, like, Lara Jean was, like, going for, like, a um for like a Spice Girls thing, and, like, one of Trina's friends is like, that's more like late 90s, early 2000s. Bullshit! That's not true. Spice Girls had their first hit in 1996, and they broke up in 1999. LJ is well within the realm of her costume. And just because you think a 90s is just being Nirvana and shit doesn't mean that's all that happened in the 90s. OK, I just that made me mad that she was gatekeeping the fucking 90s party. Right. <laughs> I was just like, this was a stupid idea anyway. I think everyone looks dated and dumb and they're showing their ages and it's embarrassing. <laughs> and the 90s sucked anyway. There, I said it. I was there. So I know they sucked. I think the 2000s were better because I think the technology was way better. And I feel about Nirvana the way you feel about the Beatles, where you recognize that there's a cultural impact, but you're like, was it good music, though? And that's where I'm at. <laughs> we were talking about that at work the other day. 
Somebody said something about like if you're if you live in or around Seattle, you like pretty much have to be a Nirvana fan to some degree. And, you know, we were having various levels of agree or disagree about that. And I believe I corrected the statement to if you're in Seattle, you can't like walk more than 100 yards without stepping on a copy of Nevermind. (laughs) If you guys lived here and you had to scrape it off of your car every winter, you wouldn't be so charmed by it, would you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I wonder if anyone's gonna get mad at me for not saying Nirvana is the best band ever. Nirvana is definitely not my favorite of the like grunge scenes. They're probably is, is Pearl Jam yours? Um, Pearl Jam's my dad's favorite. I don't know, honestly. Like each one of them has like two albums that I really enjoy, and then a large portion of their music that I'm kind of indifferent towards. Alice in Chains might be my favorite. I don't know. I j- I think like gangster rap from that era is like more important than what grunge was grunge was important because it redirected rock music like well, it into popular it, but I mean, but it, it kind of tried what, to make things more real because like the 80s was all just this puff stuff of like yeah, yeah. big hair and like excess and all that and it was just all like no yes. that's let's let's you know walk it back yes. a bit but what gangster rap in the 90s did was set us on a pretty much irrevocable path towards rap becoming the dominant genre of music. Like, after that, it started snowballing to where it's not, like, pop followed by rock followed by rap or something like that. It's rap is the biggest genre. And the commercial appeal of the the 90s rap is really what got it going like that. I think grunge had maybe more immediate effects, but, like, if you look at it, like, zoomed out, I think gangster rap was more important. I Well, th- they were actually saying something, you know, and, and gangster, like, talking, like, talk, pointing out, like, social hey. inequalities while, you know, Kurt Cobain screamed rape me over and over. I mean, <sighs> let's not besmirch Kurt Cobain too much, even though, boy, did he need therapy. I don't dislike Nirvana, but I don't like the cult of personality around Kurt Cobain, but I also don't like that around. And I'm sorry, you guys, Courtney didn't kill him. She didn't. He was a very depressed man who had, like, chronic pain. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, and if it's anybody, kind of. And um, if anybody's gonna play, the, be like the mastermind of like killing their husband and getting away with it, it's not gonna it's be Courtney. It's not her. It's not her. <laughs> and I will, I will say though that um, "Smells Like Teen Spirit" is a very awesome song. It is an. It, it, there's nothing else quite like it. Like even though every other group kind of did try to kind of catch that lightning in a bottle and didn't quite get there yeah it still smacks you over the head like a hammer i think the closest though is blur making fun of them by playing that with song two (laughs) and then it became a hit with the same audience yeah yeah and then they got like blur's albums like none of the other songs are like this (laughs) and blur is like god damn it (laughs) i'm just gonna like voice cartoon bands from now on okay i'm done If anyone doesn't know, the lead singer of Blur is the voice of the singer in um, The Gorillas. 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 Yeah. I happy. I'm feeling glad I got sunshine. Obvious loss. But not for long, the future. My future is coming on. It's coming on. And then, like, two epic rap verses. Out of my cage. (laughs) Okay, we have deviated so far. Sorry. We're still in the middle of the bachelorette party, technically. Okay, all right. We yeah. didn't even get to the part where uh, Margot and Lara Jean are singing Wonderwall. <laughs> anyway, here's Wonderwall. <laughs> <laughs> okay, they're all dressed like 90s. LJ's meeting up with Peter. 
um, afterwards, and she's freaking the fuck out, still not sure what she's going to do. So she sips on everyone's alcoholic drinks until she's shit-faced. When Peter arrives, she tells him that they each need to be free to do their thing in college, and they shouldn't do a long-distance relationship. When she mentions that he can't throw away um, UVA to go to UNC, he figures out that she's been speaking to his mother. Uh, Peter tells her he's seen this coming because of the scrapbook to remember them by, and that she only wanted to have sex at Beach Week to put a neat little bow on their high school experience. LJ lets him think that and doesn't refute it. He's devastated and leaves. LJ's family finds her puking outside, and Dr. Covey is furious with Trina and Margot for feeding her drinks, but Margot and Trina take up for each other, which is actually really heartening. Dr. Covey drives LJ home, and she starts crying. He's like, come on, you're not really in a lot of trouble, and she tells him that she broke up with Peter, and he's all, what the fuck, why? And she's like, good question! I don't think she intended it, but I think he has her number in regards to what she was doing subconsciously. Oh, like she was, little- she was trying to say goodbye, like... But- when he said, like, put a neat little bow and put it, like, in your hat box, I'm like, ouch. Yeah, that's kind of... Dude, I, I straight up wrote oof yeah. in there. I was like, that is so... That is so on point. It is. Yeah. <laughs> but then the next chapter, she gets to be the one to send an apology text. Yes, finally. Yeah, that chapter 37, LJ's hungover in the morning and swears never to drink again. She texts Peter that she's sorry and he doesn't respond. That's the whole chapter. Um, Chapter 38, Chris comes over to tell... Uh, Lara Jean that she's no longer going to the wedding because she's gotten a job at an eco hotel in the Dominican Republic. LJ is struck that she may never see her friend again and she thought that maybe they'd have more time together. Chapter 39 LJ goes to Chris's and presents her with a framed photo of the two of them which makes the girls cry. Uh, Lara Jean is determined that they won't lose touch. The night before the wedding Lara Jean gets the cakes baked and then she unloads her Peter troubles to Trina Trina's a good listening ear, and she says that she's sure Peter and LJ will get back together at the wedding. LJ, however, is not so sure at all. I kind of love Trina when she, was, when she hears about what the mom does and goes like, wow, Peter's mom's a kind of a bitch. <laughs> right? And I was like, that's what, what we were I all thinking. Thank you, Trina, for saying what we were all thinking. Real quick, I just want to point out that Chris has already packed her essentials, which are her leather jacket, bikinis, and some crystals. Yeah, she's... She she's would. She She's going to get robbed. <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, chapter 40. The wedding is beautiful and everyone's happy. LJ sees Peter after she dances with her dad. I thought that was, like, they, they, um, he dances with all three girls to Isn't She Lovely and they all kind of, like, trade off. Because Trina was all yeah. like, I've done the dance with my dad thing at the wedding. Why don't, why don't you guys kind of do that? So, I, I don't know. I think Trina's kind of cool. It took a while for me to, like, kind of come around on her to her but because i think she's kind of tacky <laughs> but i'm also with kind of like large Jean, like yeah she's tacky but that's part of her charm she's a nice person yeah <laughs> okay anyway uh laura Jean sees peter uh she tells him that she wants to take back the mean things she said to him peter's still pretty wounded and says uh she must have really meant them and that she should should have told him that his mom talked to her and lj rightfully points out that it's peter who hasn't been communicating for this entire book and he tells her that uh, it's because he's been scared out of his mind. He's convinced himself that when presented with new possibilities in college, she'll realize Peter's small potatoes and she'll dump him. LJ tells him that she loves him as much as she loves her family, so that was never going to be an option. Peter's like, okay, so neither of us wants to break up, so let's quit being miserable. And that's all the resolution they need, I guess. 
LJ finds her yearbook on her bed and sees that Peter signed it with an amended relationship contract. It's better than what I wrote for him earlier, so good on him. Laura Jean and Peter's amended contract. Peter will write a letter to Laura Jean once a week, a real handwritten letter, not an email. Laura Jean will call Peter once a day, preferably the last call of the night before she goes to bed. Laura Jean will put up a picture of Peter's choosing on her wall. <laughs> Peter will keep the scrapbook out on his desk so any interested parties will see that he has taken. Peter and Laura Jean will always tell each other the truth, even when it's hard. And Peter will love Laura Jean with all his heart, always. Cute! Cute! Okay, chapter 41. I guess we glaze over the Korea trip because this next chapter, LJ tells us it's the night before she leaves for college. Peter and Laura Jean go out to the lake to watch a meteor shower, and Peter finally tells her how they first met. It was at the first sixth grade assembly. LJ was sitting in front of him, and she got her long, pretty hair caught in a chair, and Peter wanted to help her, but touching a stranger's hair is weird, so he didn't. LJ's like, how do you remember that? And he's like, I don't know, I just do. And we leave them there, which feels appropriate. Right? And they kind of just end with, like, a shrug. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, what a weird random memory. And he's like, I don't know, man, that's what I got. The end. The end, yeah. This is the last book in the series. And I read the Jenny Han note where she's like, for realsies, this is the last Laura Jean book. <laughs> I'm kind of, I kind of hope she doesn't write anymore. I like to think that, like, they're okay from here on out. Yeah. Like, they're fine. Uh, does your copy have the, uh, the very last page before the back cover as her, uh, uh, road trip to freshman year playlist? Yes. I only recognize a couple songs on it. Please tell me one of these is Landslide. Yes, I recognize Landslide. Like, I recognize Super, uh, I recognize Supercut by Lord, Goodbye Stranger, and then there are a handful that I recognize the artist and I would probably recognize the song if it were played, but I don't recognize it just by the title alone. Like, when we were young, I'm sure I've heard that by Adele. You don't uh, know Waterfalls? Like I said, not from looking at it on a page. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Please stick to the rivers and the lakes that you used to. They sing it in We Are the Millers, and then the guy does the whole extended, like, Left Eye Lopez rap, and it's really awkward. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know the 10,000 Maniacs song. That's just too many Maniacs for me. I prefer, like, I don't know, six, eight hundred. <laughs> I have a funny story about 10,000 Maniacs. It's um, Natalie Merchant's band, if you didn't know who 10,000 Maniacs were. But a friend of mine, uh, she was dating this kind of gothy boy who was just gross. I didn't like him. Anyway, uh, not because he was goth. It's just he, he sucked. But uh, she he came over to her house, and I came over like the day after, and I was looking through her little CD booklet because we used to put our CDs in like a little booklet where you flip through the pages. This is for the benefit yeah. of any of the kids listening to this who are all like CDs. But um, I was going through <laughs> it, and I'm just like, none of her Hansons in here. What's going on? Where's the? And then like I feel like the front cover is kind of hard, and I see that she'd slid all her embarrassing CDs in the front pocket where he would. <laughs> And I'm going through them, and it's like what I thought. I'm like, okay, Backstreet's here, and Hanson, and Insync, and I go, you put Ten Thousand Maniacs in here too? Why? It's not on the same level as this stuff. <laughs> I also like to think that that's the only stuff that she actually listens to. Oh God, she had like Puddle of Mud in there. Um, Fuel. God, who else was? Hey, there's there's one good Fuel album. No, that... Puddle of Mud also has. They have like two good songs. Which ones? Uh, you know, the the one and then probably another. 
I remember we all liked She Hates Me. Yeah, and everybody knows Blurry. Do they? Can you take it all away when you shoved it in my face? Yeah. See, that's the legacy that, like, Grunge left was everybody singing like that. Right, it's like, here are a few people that sing that way because they have, like, actually strong voices and they do that for, like, a serious artistic reason or something. And then it's, like, a bunch of people doing it because that's, that's the thing. The sound. Yeah, it was... Yeah, it was a that was a rough time for music, like post grunge, with everybody still trying to sound grunge, even though it wasn't relevant anymore because like the models are walking the runway wearing flannel. Right. Ugh. Like, but by the time by the time you have like the post grunge artists coming out and sounding like first album Pearl Jam, Pearl Jam has already changed their yeah. sound. They're like, we're gonna keep evolving artistically we're gonna we're gonna cover like a really weird random 1950s song and everyone's gonna be confused stop it no that song makes me cry don't do it you're like i'm hanging up (laughs) i'm sorry so anyways that was always and forever lara jean they're cute they're they're consistently fairly cute and fine and fine it's fine i don't know like it's hard it's so hard for me to judge in because they're just pastries. They're pastry books. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just I'm not necessarily used to reading pastry books. They're pastry books. books cooked by Laura Jean herself, yeah. iced to perfection, and, like, Peter's hovering over her shoulder, literally wanting to grab the first one. Yeah. <laughs> Covey, I have to test, taste it to make sure it's good to share with everybody. <laughs> Peter, you tried the dough. Yeah, yeah, I ate the dough. Wow, that shows how well I bake. The batter? Okay. Well, it's dough if it's cookies. I don't know what the, like, thickness level is. Well, if we're talking about uh, cupcakes, it's batter. How do we determine that? Like, where does it switch from batter to to dough? Um, I think dough's thicker. Batter has more pudding-ish consistency. See, but now this is where the dumb scientist in me comes into play, because if that's the only distinction, there's got to be a line somewhere where it converts from batter to and dough, I think, and I need to know what's on that line. And I think batter is a wetter. It's uh, it's definitely has a more a more liquidy consistency than dough, which you can act, you can manhandle and like hold with your hands, where you can't really do that so much with batter. I I need to make something that like if I add another drop of water or milk, it turns into batter, but it is currently dough. I don't I, I don't know if that's that gonna okay, but I I don't. <laughs> Okay, bye. Oh wait, you have to, you have to say her. <laughs> we have to stop. I think we're gonna try to re- release it on the day that the book releases, but we're gonna be reading a new release book that we got sent advance copies of uh, for our next episode. It is called Prepped. It is by Bethany Mangle, and we will hopefully be releasing that. I think it's the twenty third of February is when that book comes out. Uh, so that's gonna be our plan for the immediate future. And um, then March. What are we doing for March? We're doing a graphic novel. Yeah, for I think March. you. I think you wanted to read Witch Boy. Yes, we're gonna read the, the Witch Boy, which is a graphic novel by what is Molly her name? Knox Ostertag. She is Noelle Stevenson. Yes. Wife. So that's kind of our plan for the next couple episodes. And uh, oh, I meant to announce but, this, but I was in such a crappy mood when we started the podcast. But I just wanted to mention that um, this podcast has always been Josh and me. And, and Ben's music, of course, but uh, we kind of always had, like, a third unofficial host, and that was my cat, Cheez-It, who'd, um, I think, particularly in some of the earlier episodes, 
He kind of sat in a few and you might hear him. Usually you hear our reactions to him. But uh, unfortunately, like the week before Christmas, he uh, he passed away. So we lost a pod buddy. I'm sure he would have missed all of you (laughs) if he'd known you. Oh, God, I made this horrible, horrible joke that I think you might appreciate. You might want to take it out. Um, okay. But um, I got cheese it cremated, and he's like in a little box right now that's on an end table. But um, I was talking to my mom about something. I go, yeah, my only friend's in a wooden box now. And my mom went, oh. And I went, yeah. And I said, Josh, if you don't shape up, I'm not letting you out of the box. <laughs> Yeah, I thought you'd appreciate that. <laughs> okay, bye everybody. Uh, hello fellow kids, this is hosted by Mara and Josh, produced by Josh, music provided by Ben Ash. Visit him at benash.com. Please contact us, please, <laughs> please. hfkpodcast at gmail.com or Twitter and Instagram at hfkpodcast. I will try to pay attention to those uh, outlets more often. And uh, rate and review us if you like what you heard. Or if you weren't too keen on it but think that it can be salvaged, let us know. We have, I think, received... One review across all of the, uh, the, maybe two across all of the, the places that we've posted. So we don't know if we should be changing anything because no one's telling us. That's fine. Right. Uh, we'll see you guys in just a few weeks, hopefully with, uh, with Pratt. Okay. Bye. Bye for real this time. Bye.